Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. This is one of your co-hosts, Peter Bell, and we are on Catechism Saturday, number 33. So this is Lord's Day, number 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism, written by Zacharias Ursinus. And real quick, if you guys have not yet listened to Monday's podcast with Dr. John Jack Collins of Covenant Theological Seminary, speaking about science and the Bible. He's a trained scientist as well as being a trained theologian. Please do yourself a favor, listen to that episode. And then Thursday's episode of part two with Dr. Matthew Harmon on his IVP academic book, The Servant of the Lord and His Servant People. Please do yourself a favor, listen to those episodes, and we will get going on Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day number 33. So let's get moving. Today, we're covering question answers 88 to 91. So the new man, the old man, the new nature, and good works. And a structural note on today's episode, Ursinus combines question answers 88 to 90 together in one exposition, and then 91 in a separate. So let's dig in. Question answer 88. What is the true repentance or conversion of man? Answer, it is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. Question answer 89. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate and flee from it. Question answer 90. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. And here's Osinus' exposition. He says the doctrine touching man's conversion to God now claims our attention, concerning which we must inquire. And there are seven questions that Osinus develops in relation to these three question answers. The first, is the conversion of man to God necessary? Man's conversion in this life is so necessary that without it, no one can obtain everlasting life in the world to come, according to what the scriptures teach. Hence, all our exhortations to repentance must be based upon the absolute necessity of conversion to God and all those who are to be justified. Second question, what is man's conversion to God? It is defined to be the mortification of the old and the quickening of the new man. It is more fully expressed in the following definition. Man's conversion to God consists in a change of the corrupt mind and will into that which is good, produced by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the law and gospel, which is followed by a sincere desire to produce the fruits of repentance and a conformity of the life to all the commands of God. Third question. Of how many parts does a conversion consist? Conversion consists of two parts, the mortification of the old man and quickening of the new man. So the mortification of the old man consists in the laying off and subduing of the corruption of our nature and includes a knowledge of sin and God's wrath, a sorry for sin on account of offending God and a hatred of sin and desire to avoid it. The quickening of the new man is a true joy and delight in God through Christ, 
to regulate life according to the will of God and perform all good works. This consists in a knowledge of the mercy of God and the application of Christ in it. The joy and delight that God has reconciled to us in Christ and ardent desire to perform new obedience, a gratitude for God during our whole life. Fourth question, what are the causes of conversion? He says the Holy Spirit or God himself is the chief efficient cause of our conversion. The means or instrumental causes of conversion are the law, the gospel, and again, the doctrine of the law after that of the gospel. For the preaching of the law goes before preparing and leading us to a knowledge of the gospel. The internal cause of conversion is faith. Fifth question, what are the effects of conversion? And he says a true and ardent desire a love to God and neighbor, an ardent desire to obey God without any exception, according to all his commandments, all good works or new obedience itself, and a desire to convert others and bring them in the way of salvation. Sixth question, is conversion perfect in this life? Our conversion to God is not perfect in this life but is here continually advancing until it reaches the perfection which is proposed in the life to come. Seventh question, in what does the conversion of the godly differ from the repentance of the ungodly? In the moving cause of repentance or in the sorrow which is felt, the ungodly for the punishment they receive, the godly for breaking God's commands. The repentance of the godly differs from that of the ungodly as it respects the efficient cause of it. The ungodly move from distrust to despair. The godly proceed from faith and gracious gracious reconciliation for the sake of Christ. They differ in form. The godly turn to God after sinning. The ungodly turn from God to despair. They differ in their effects, the godly to new obedience, the ungodly continue in sin. And the last question answer, but what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and not those based on our own opinion or on precepts of men. And so Rosinus' exposition brings up six questions that will help us understand this question and answer. So his first question, what are good works? Good works are such as are performed according to the law of God, such as proceed from a true faith and are directed to the glory of God. Second question, how many good works should be performed? How may good works be performed? They are only possible by the grace and assistance of the Holy Spirit, and that by the regenerate alone, whose heart have been truly regenerated by the Spirit of God through the preaching of the gospel, and that not only in their first conversion and regeneration, but also by the perpetual and constant influence and direction of the same Spirit, who works in them a knowledge of sin, faith, and the desire of new obedience and also daily increases and confirms more and more the same gifts in them.
Third question, are the works of the regenerate perfectly good? They're not perfectly good because even those who are regenerated but do many works which are evil, do many things which are evil, sin in themselves, on account of which they are guilty in the sight of God and deserve to be cast into everlasting punishment. Because they omit doing many things which they ought to do according to the law. Because the good works which they perform are not so perfectly good and pure as the law requires. For they are always marred with defects and polluted with sins. Fourth question, how can our good works please God since they are only imperfectly good? As they are perfect in themselves and defiled in many respects, they cannot of themselves please God on account of his extreme justice and rectitude. Yet, they are nevertheless acceptable to God in Christ the mediator through faith or on account of the merit and satisfaction of Christ imputed unto us by faith and on account of his intercession with the Father on our behalf. Fifth question, why good works are to be done or why are they necessary? For three principal reasons, the sake of God, ourselves, and our neighbor. In respect to God, that the glory of God, our Heavenly Father, may be manifested. We render to God the obedience he requires and render our gratitude, which we owe. On our accounts, that we may thereby testify our faith and be assured of its existence in us by the fruits which we produce in our lives, that we may be assured of the fact that we have obtained forgiveness of sins through Christ, who we have justification for his sake that we may be assured of our election and salvation, that our faith may be exercised and grown, that we may adorn our profession and life by our good works, that we may escape temporal and eternal punishment, that we may obtain from God temporal and spiritual rewards, and for the sake of our neighbor, that we may be profitable to them and edify him by our example and godly conversation that we may not cause to stumble, and that we may win the unbelieving to Christ. Sixth question, do our works merit anything in the sight of God? This question naturally grows out of the preceding one, as the fourth grew out of the third. For when we say that we obtain rewards from God by our own good works, men and women immediately conclude that our good works must merit something at the hands of God. We must, therefore, that our good works are necessary and that they are also to be done for the rewards which are consequent thereon. But they are, but that they are, nevertheless, not meritorious, but which we mean that they deserve nothing from God, not even the smallest particle of spiritual or temporal blessings. Well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Catechism Saturday, Lord's Day number 33. We cover question answers 88 to 91. Please look forward to Monday's doctrinal episode with Dr. Robert Yarbrough of Covenant Theological Seminary, where he speaks on the New Testament and its background and theology. And then Thursday's book club, we have Dr. R.B. or Bobby Jameson, his book, The Paradox of Sonship published by IVP Academic. This is a thorough exposition of Jesus' sonship 
in the book of Hebrews. It's a great book, great conversation. I hope you guys enjoy next week, and we'll see you next week on the Guilt, Grace, Gratitude podcast. Bye. Hey guys, we hope you enjoyed that episode of our podcast, Guilt, Grace, Gratitude. And we, as we've said before, we are bridging the gap to Reformed Christian theology for your listening pleasure. So we would like to make sure this is enjoyed by others around the world. And how to best do that is rate and review us on iTunes. Yeah, and you, after you rate a review or instead of rate and review or doing everything all in once, retweeting us on Twitter, liking us on Twitter, liking us on Instagram, following us on both of those platforms, because that actually puts in front of people's physical face this podcast, these guests, and most importantly, the gospel, the doctrines uh, that these guests are bringing in front of you guys. So please do that. It helps get in front of more people. Amen. And hopefully you guys are part of a local church and you're tithing. And uh, after that, after tithing, if you have any means left over, please consider donating to us to make sure our bridge is well paved and maintained and strong and sturdy. As again, we bridge the gap to reform Christian theology. For exactly. Christian yeah. And you guys can find that link on Anchor, our official Anchor website. If you just go on um, our social media links, it'll it'll link you to that website. It's also at the bottom of these this podcast show notes. If you're on this podcast, this specific episode, scroll all the way to the bottom of that show notes, and you guys will find a link for this or three different options of donating. So we hope you guys can help us bridge the gap, pay for shipping, get nicer stuff, all for the focus of spreading the gospel further. Yep. All for the kingdom of God. Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you guys next time.